You're listening to the Morning Perks Podcast with your host, Bill Clements. Join us as we hear from some of the industry's biggest management and supplier leaders with insights to trends, best practices, and how to get the most out of your GCAA membership. Welcome to Morning Perks, and now to your host, Bill Clements. This morning, we have the privilege of talking to Marcy French. Marcy French is the VP of Asset Management for HRG Management. She is also on the National Apartment Association Education Institute, which is NAAEI. She's a faculty member with the NAA on the Education Institute. Marcy, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm so fabulous. So happy to be here. Are you are you excited? Are you tentative? Are you just waiting to see how weird it gets? What do you think? I'm so excited. I love the unknown. It's 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 a good time. Listen, so it's not all the time that this happens, but every now and then on the podcast, and I'm not, let me preface by telling you that I don't think that I have like a podcast or a radio voice, but every now and then somebody comes on that does. And so I get a little intimidated. You clearly have a pro-level voice. <laughs> Well, funny thing, Bill, I worked for a company one time. They asked me to do all of the voicemails for all of the properties. I, You know, you hear your voice differently than other people hear it. I'm not a fan of my own voice. I think it's obnoxious, right. but it was good enough to do voicemail. Did you ever call them back and listen to yourself later? Yes. I hate the sound of my voice. Yes. On. But everybody was happy though, right? Everybody loved yes. it. <laughs> Will you talk to the listeners this morning about just give us a little bit of insight. You know, tell us about who Marcy French is. Oh wow, I don't know if we have time for that, Bill. Um, you know, I I'm a, a very passionate about the multifamily space, and in recent become very passionate about everything to do with diversity, equity, and inclusion in the multifamily space. Yeah, I myself am a biracial Gen X. I, I like to refer to myself as a unifier. So I've been utilizing that um, biography, if you will, to kind of navigate the space and multifamily and and kind of bring people together. I, I've noticed, you know, we've had some division in in the country over the last few years, and I've been able to use that background to kind of bring people together and listen to other stories. I think people would love to hear that. Could you, do you mind, would you expound a little bit on your racial background? Sure. Um, my biological father is black. I, I prefer the term black. Some folks yeah. like African-American. My mother is is white. She has a German Welsh background. So, and this is recent for me, a, a really long story, but I actually grew up believing I was Puerto Rican for the first 40 years of my life. So Wait, but, but, who told, because did, who told you that? My mother. So I had a, uh, you know, those DNA tests, ancestry DNA. I took a test and some yeah. Some skeletons fell out of the closet. If you know me, I'm very transparent about it. So it's not a secret, but I discovered my biological father was someone different so that led to a different background. And right about that time, we started seeing shift in the in the national space on DEI. So I've kind of educated myself. Uh, you know, I present the way I present. So I'm a I'm a brown girl in America, no matter what you know about me. Right. So I've just been able to kind of tie together the diversity of my family, which represents the Latino population. I actually have Japanese members of my family, black, white, my children identify in the LGBTQIA plus space. So just that my family is so very diverse, I've just decided it's a natural place for me to be. I mean, I think that's wonderful. And I think it's, you know, 
a lot of folks hearing this, they will appreciate that. So were you mad at your mom at the time? Did you, you're like, mom, what's up? Bill, um, lots of therapy, but um, my mother actually passed away before I could have the conversation with her. So that was part of my work. And, and, you know, I've been able to forgive her and move on, but, and you know, my mother was a teenager when she had me and it was 1975 in a part of the country where, you know, multiracial families or biracial children weren't super accepted. So I think she just did the best she could do with the situation. So I, you know, I get it. Yeah. I mean, I think a a lot of people have to understand, right. I mean, even 20 years ago, but I mean, we're talking uh, almost 50 years ago, things were just different. What, what, what you divulged to people, what you represented, what you were afraid to talk about was just, that was just part of society then. Yeah. Yeah. I remind people, my parents weren't legally allowed to be married or only legally allowed to be married seven years before I was born. So exactly different times. Yeah. And it's, it's great for people to understand those times and to like appreciate how far we've come and where we Mm -hmm. are that we can even, I mean, 50 years ago, we couldn't have even had this conversation out in the open that right. would be aired somewhere. Right. Absolutely. All right. So you are going to be a keynote speaker for us at the um, Women in Leadership Conference in Charlotte next next month? Yes, next month. I'm so excited. I, I think the people are really excited to hear from you. I think it's phenomenal. Would this be your first time coming to Charlotte? No, I've been to Charlotte a few times. It's it's a city that I love. It actually reminds me very much of my hometown of Denver. Yeah. Uh, I see the growth happening there in the same way. Some of the same restaurants are popping up, uh, just the growth in the real estate space. But I love the folks out of Charlotte. I've gotten a chance to know many of the folks through NAA committee meetings and and other other places where we've been speakers. So I adore the people there and I can't wait to come. I was so honored to be asked to to attend. I think that I think it's going to be dynamic and fantastic. It, it's interesting you say that about Denver and Charlotte. My I told you this earlier. My daughter moved out to Denver a couple of years back. And after about a year, she's like, you know, I'm thinking about moving. I'm like, why is that? She goes, I mean, do you know what Denver is like? I said, uh, Charlotte? Yeah. She goes, yeah. I mean, it's the same. So so she moved further out. I think she's out beyond Boulder now. So I think she just likes it a little yeah. out of the metropolitan area. But I do think, I think the scenery is more beautiful in Colorado, but I do think this, that the situation between Charlotte and Denver is a lot alike. Very similar. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. I grew up in a small town just northwest of Boulder. And I have to tell you, my graduating class was 44 people. Wow. And I will tell you, it was one of the it was a very magical childhood. There, There's some things about it that was a challenge, but the location and the time that I grew up there, it was it was magic. It was great. Well, I want to I want to jump around for a hot minute. I, I like to jump around and keep people on their toes. I don't think this is a <laughs> keep you on your toes thing that I'm going to ask you. But you know, we ask a lot of people that come on the podcast, how did you arrive at multifamily? Because I think, you know, it's a lot of people just kind of get roped in or fall into multifamily. So how did you get into multifamily? That's so funny. My son is about to graduate high school and I actually think have him convinced that he should join multifamily. So he may be the first person I ever met that made it a plan. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was 19. I had just returned. I had moved to Australia uh, chasing a boy, another story for another day, (laughs) who was from Australia. So I had come home and couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. I had dropped out of college and didn't have the money to go back right away. 
So I answered an ad in the newspaper because that was a thing and went into actually was the apartment community I happened to live at was hiring a leasing consultant. And I walked in the guy, the manager was sitting in his desk with his feet up, smoking a cigarette, real rough voice. I can remember him like it was yesterday. And he asked me to sit down. I told him what I knew, what I could do. And he hired me on the spot. And the rest is history. On the spot. He he knew he knew he knew he, he had a plan for you. I guess he he saw some. I was 19, so I don't know what he saw because I was definitely a smart mouth young lady. But he gave me an opportunity, and I remember I was there for about three years. I mean, I feel like he he knew that you were. I mean, right? If you were if you were a little sassy, he knew that you could handle <laughs> residents and probably. You know, probably work 70 hours a week, and he'd be happy. right. <laughs> yeah, that was back when overtime was. Uh, you could have as much overtime as you wanted. No one cared. That's exactly right, and maybe even free rent. Yes, I did have a great rent discount. My favorite part was the lease was one page and we typed it up on the typewriter. Oh yeah, the typewriter. More things that the youngsters don't even know what we're talking right. about. I know. Um, so you know this to be true for the amount of time that you've been in the industry. Uh, this is a predominantly female industry, multifamily. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of the folks in the industry are females, but it's only really... I feel like in the last 20 years that women have really run the show in multifamily. Yeah, I definitely can see the evolution of the industry over the years. And, and it's it's female dominated, but there's also spaces where I've been the only female. I just recently switched roles from VP of operations of a management company to VP of asset management. And I'm finding that as I've sw- switched roles, that is no longer female dominated. Like I can think about the my history in the industry and the asset managers I've come in contact with, and they were not very. I think I've had one female asset manager in my career. So, wow. I I think the property management side of things are very female dominated, but I think we can do a little bit of work at the C suite level. I think we still see some of the executive and, and C suite level still. Be- being male dominated. And then certain companies I've worked for, I've, you know, even as a regional or a VP, I've often been the only female in a room. So it depends on where you're at in the country and and what part of the organization you work in. I think there's some work to still be done. Yeah. So you're reminding me right now that there is still a lot of work to be done. So to, to sort of like give a little teaser maybe to the attendees for the conference here in Charlotte next month, what are some insights? What are some nuggets that you want to share with the ladies that are making a plan to come that you know you want to enrich their lives or get them to think about or or ponder? So I think one thing that always comes up at women's conferences is work-life balance. Yeah. And I have very uh, strong opinions on that. So I'm sure I'll be talking about that. The other thing that's important to me is authenticity in the workspace. And the fact that often women, and for me, even being a woman of color, what does it look like to show up in the workspace, your fully, wholly authentic self? So those are the types of conversations I look forward to next month when I come. Well, and I think the beauty of what you're presenting here this morning, you started out with it, with your personal story. I think to get, to to really get to authenticity, you have to be transparent. If you can be Mm. honest and transparent, you can live in authenticity. And I think that's key. So what you're already showing them, you know, the path, which I think is fantastic. Thank you. I I do agree with you. I think if you're going to live 
authentic, you got to be transparent and open. Now, not every story is for everybody, of course, but I have found that I've been more successful just being myself and letting people see all of the pieces of me because, you know, people connect that way. We're all human at the end of the day. We bring our human to work and we're more alike than we are different, really. Will you talk to me for a second? I want to hear about the origin of, do you, I mean, do you, do you just call it Jedi? Yeah, it does not. I wish I could say I thought of that term. I, when I started doing DEI, right, that's probably something we know more, diversity, equity, and inclusion work. I found some information on Jedi work and I loved it. My, my kids are huge uh, Star Wars fans and the whole Jedi thing was kind of fun, but um, you know, J is for the justice and that's probably not a piece we work on so much inside of our industry because it's usually about uh, legislation and passing laws, but I do at least like to take the the side of things that include that because we do have some laws that disproportionately impact people of color. And I think we're starting to have that conversation a little bit now when we talk about criminal backgrounds being run and some states are throwing that out. And I think um, because I've done that research and I do see myself as a Jedi facilitator, you know, there are things that people don't always consider when they're thinking about finding homes for right, people. Right. They they don't have to maybe deal with those situations and they go, oh, yeah, I hadn't considered that. So I think it's a good it's a good time to to have those conversations. But Jedi includes the justice, equity, diversity and inclusion. People like me, I mean, I'm a, a white male in my 50s. I have the luxury, right, of not having to understand by living through these experiences that that people of color often have to live their lives through and teach their children through. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's just vitally important to hear people come out and talk about it so that it gets out into, you know, the space where we start to understand it, accept it and do something about it. You know, it it's empathy goes a long way. I was on an HOA meeting last night and I try to be quiet cuz I'm a talker, but the the during the HOA meeting they talked about you know we have folks cutting through the the fences here and they look like they don't live here right. and i immediately panicked because my son is one of those kids cutting through the fence he definitely yeah. is it's a shortcut to his bus stop and i said please do not assume just because someone's cutting through the fence that they don't live here because i would never want someone to assume my child doesn't live in this neighborhood right uh just because of an assumption so i think yeah there is there is something to empathizing or maybe taking a moment to look at it through a different lens, look at things through a different lens. Right. But still, you know, maybe I'm cutting through the fence to get to the, to the school bus stop because I want to save myself a couple of steps. Maybe I'm not trying to get your yard gnomes. You know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> right. Just to give people a chance to explain to, to you what it is they're trying to accomplish. And maybe Sorry. you could help them out on a shortcut to the bus stop because he's just trying to go to school. Right. And that led to a conversation of maybe we'll put a sidewalk there so the kids can get to the bus stop. That is exactly right. <laughs> Um, all right. So we can't get out of here without talking about this because, you know, in my experience in multifamily, I know this is a big deal. I'll bet it's a big deal for you. Talk about how you got involved in the NAAEI and what it feels like to be on the faculty for you to be in a position to give back. Like, tell well, me about that. Yes. So I was teaching a class, uh, CALP, which used to be NALP in Denver, I don't know, nine, nine years ago. And the yeah. then, VP uh, Maureen Lamb 
was there watching me teach because they had new curriculum and they wanted one person to teach for the whole thing, all the modules and see how it flowed. And at the end of it all, Maureen pulls me aside and she says, Marcy, have you ever thought about getting involved at the national level? And I said, no, I never considered it. Didn't know how I could get involved. And she was such a straight shooter. She said, well, you know, we don't have a whole lot of diversity at the national level. And I think you would be really great if you started getting involved. I'm going to get you a scholarship for Leadership Lyceum. If I get you a scholarship, do you think you could attend? So she lays it all out for me. I went to Leadership Lyceum. That same year, uh, I participated in advanced facilitator training, which we used to be instructor training under Sue Weston, Rich George, and Doug Chasick, and um, did all of that and then started to get involved at the national level. Today, I teach with Doug and Rich on the senior faculty, so honored. It's been such a full circle moment this last year to now get to teach the AFT to uh, everyone across the country. And I'm so passionate about education in our industry and love giving back time. I'm on a couple of the committees, and uh, I think we're going to do great things this year. And I'm also sitting on the board, the EI board this year for the first time. So looking forward to all the work we'll be doing. If you don't mind me saying, and I don't know her, but I, I can guarantee you as a parent, your mom would be so proud. Thanks, Bill. That means a lot. I mean, you're a parent, so you you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Being yeah. a parent is the hardest job there is in the whole wide world. That Every day. <laughs> Oh, Marcy, would you tell us more about Mondays with Marcy, which I believe is on Facebook? Mondays with Marcy. It's a Facebook page. I have. Um, It started off right after the the situation with George Floyd. I was starting to get a lot of phone calls from people in the industry, from family members that are on the white side of my family, friends. They wanted to ask questions and have conversations that, quite honestly, they were afraid to have in public. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this is great. Some of the questions were repetitive. Some of the conversations were repetitive. So I started recording videos somewhere between, I don't know, six and 10 minutes long talking about those topics that people were afraid to have in public. So I just each week drop a video on on different topics that I'm I'm noticing are coming up and um People sometimes give me suggestions and I'm just trying to build that out. And it's been kind of a basis of my DEI facilitation as well. So Mondays with Marcy, do they do they look that up on Facebook or do they find you first and then get to that? They can go to Facebook and go to Mondays with Marcy. I do find recently there's a yoga teacher using the same name, but I think you'll find it'll be very easy to differentiate between the two. <laughs> Um, maybe one day far away in the future. And I'm just trying to help you out here or just trying to help the yoga instructor out. Maybe you guys merge your thing for like a one-off little, I right? Love it. You know what I'm saying? Like you could do That's it. Fantastic. I love yeah. the idea. That's great. I, I'm going to, I'm going to take you up on that. I'm going to, this is, this is what I do. I, we're trying to have a nice intellectual moment and then I get weird. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, Marcy, we're going to close. Uh, in just a second, but I, you know, I want to ask you, uh, we talk and then I sort of get an idea I want to close with, um, what's your favorite vacation spot? Oh, yeah. well, I literally just got back from the Bahamas like three days ago. Mm. And so it's fresh on my mind, but my favorite place I've ever been was Cuba. And it was because of everything that we've been talking about today. Yeah. The people there are so warm and authentic and inviting 
And I, I was able to go to a place that you typically only get to see in the media, but to actually go there and be with the people was something so special. So I like the islands. All right, Marcy. So I feel like after people listen to this podcast, attendance is going to you know go through the roof. We might have to have like standing room only for your time <laughs> at the conference. No but pressure. We are vi- no pressure. We're very <laughs> excited to have you at the conference next month. Uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very, very much for being on Morning Perks. Bill, thanks for having me. We'll see you all soon. You got it. Step right up and purchase your GCAA Carnival Trade Show tickets on the GCAA website today. With over 150 exhibitors this year, you're sure to have a thrilling experience. This year's show will be home to incredible exhibitors, prizes, food, seminars, a VIP lounge, and more. Go reserve your ticket at our super early bird rate of only $39 today. Hi, GCA podcast listeners. This is Sophie with EDS, Environmental Diversified Services. With 24-hour emergency services and a diverse range of specialty cleaning, from water damage and mold remediation to fire watch, we're the call to make when it counts. Reach us at 704-357-0000 or find more information at edsdiversified.com. EDS proudly sponsors this episode of Morning Perks. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Morning Perks. Our podcast airs every other Wednesday at 7 a.m. Keep up with all things GCAA by following our Facebook and Instagram pages. You can also refer to our website at greatercaa.org for more information regarding registering for our upcoming events, sponsorships, and education opportunities. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a great day.